0: Chapter 13 begins with a command, "Kadishli li kol b'char, peter k'orecha, Yisrael, b'adamu v'abheh Consecrate to me every firstborn man and beast. The first issue of every womb among the Israelites is mine. And Moshe said to the people, Zohar et ha'yom hazeh asheh yitzatem y'mitzraya y'mibayt avodim, ki b'chozik yad Hashem etchem yizeh, Remember this day when you went free from Egypt, the house of bondage, how God freed you from it with a mighty hand. No leavened bread shall be eaten. You go free on this day, in the month of Aviv. So Moshe says to the people, When you come into the land, the land that God swore to give you, you shall observe this in the, in the month of the following practice. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, we call matzah. Seventh days a festival. During these seven days, uh, you can only eat unleavened bread, only eat matzah, and no unleavened bread shall be found with you in all of your territory. And then the Torah says, Moshe says, "Vigalat revincha ba Say to your child on that day, Bar-Roseh, is is, is, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I went free from Egypt. So the chapter contains a command, Higadah to We remember this in terms of the Haggadah, the telling of the story on the night of Passover. That's the Higadah to And this chapter then continues and says, that when you again, when you come into the land, you shall set apart every uh, firstborn male of your cattle. That's Bechor. And then the Torah says in verse 14, mazot, your child may ask you, Machar, in the future, what is this? elav, yad, God took us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. So what's interesting is that in chapter 13, the uh, Torah speaks of questions that the children may ask in the future, and the Torah instructs us how to respond to these questions. Why here... Does the Torah uh, speak of questions children will ask? And actually, it's not the first time the Torah does this. It does it twice in chapter 13, but it even does it in the previous chapter. In chapter 12, uh, verse number, beginning, let's say, verse 24, This refers to the Paschal sacrifice. Keep this as observance, As a statute forever. You should continue to do this practice even when you come into the land. The plain reading of the text is that the practice that's referred to is the bringing of the paschal sacrifice and the placing of the blood on the doorpost of the house. That's what it sounds like in chapter 12. Ma ha'avodah hazot lochem. Yerushua will ask you, what is this avodah? What is this ritual service? Or perhaps sacrificial service that you are doing? If I'm right, you will answer. Zevach Pesach hu Hashem. This is the Paschal sacrifice. A'sheh Pesach ha'botei b'nei Yisrael b'mitzrayim. B'nei po'et mitzrayim v'et b'teinu yitziel. V'yiko da'am v'yishtachavu. It's the Passover sacrifice. God passed over the house. Pesach. Pesach either means passed over or perhaps hovered over is another possibility protectively one of those two in any event it's the Pesach when the Egyptians were slain our houses the people then bowed low in homage it's not clear whether is in response to what Moshe said or a description of what happened when God passed over But in any event, what we have over here in chapter 12 and 13 is three examples, three situations where the Torah speaks about the future. Even after you come into the land, you are not to forget what happened here in Egypt. The idea is even in the land, in a totally different place, we are always to remember this event. Here it talks about the Paschal Sacrifice. In chapter 13, it talks about uh, the day that we left Egypt. The smiting of the firstborn is recalled. Why does the Torah emphasize your children are going to ask you in chapter 12 and 13? And I believe the simple answer is this. Moshe has a task. Moshe's name is Moshe, the one who takes us out. But the task of Moshe actually, as described by God in the, in, in the experience of the burning bush, I will take them out of this land and bring them into a land of milk and honey of an heritage of Vash, And in chapter six, I'll bring them to land that I swore to give to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The reader, however, in reading the book of Exodus, recalls the covenantal formula of Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15 says, three generations of suffering and the fourth generation shall return to the land. The book of Exodus makes it very clear. Moshe and his brother Aaron are third generation. Moshe's generation is third generation. The reader knows actually something that perhaps Moshe does not know. The people that he's speaking to, the audience to which he speaks, are never going to make it to the land. They will live Egypt with their possessions. They will achieve a measure of physical freedom, of material freedom. But they're not going to be the ones to get to the land. Only the fourth generation, only the next generation, those born in the desert, will actually make it to the land. The Paschal sacrifice, actually, the joining together in the house, is a joining together of two generations. It's the generation of suffering, but it's their children who are spared, the firstborn who are spared. So the Paschal sacrifice is all about two generations and the linking of the two generations. But one could say the primary audience to which Moshe speaks, whether he fully recognizes this or not, are not actually the people who are suffering in the land of Egypt. The primary audience and the covenantal fulfillment can only take place through the merging of two generations. The Paschal Sacrifice, and the covenant, in fact, is built out of two different experiences. The experience of those who were in Egypt and who suffer in Egypt, and the experience of those who possess the land who were never in Egypt. Those who possess the land never suffered and those who suffer will never possess. So it's in this context, in the context of the Paschal Sacrifice, in the context of a sacrifice which links the generation. The sparing of the firstborn means it's really not only about the first generation, but also, or maybe primarily about the second, or one could say, it's both. It's the linking of both. The covenant is a function of both experiences. So in this context, the Torah speaks of the questions that the next generation will ask. The Paschal Sacrifice is about the linking of generations, and it's here that the Torah speaks of V'gadetol avincha, kish alcha bincha, etc. And the truth of the matter is that that's what the Seder picked up on. The Seder speaks of every generation must see itself as having it been personally redeemed from the land of Egypt. And that's because the covenant is a function of not of one generation. The covenant is a function of the linking of generations. So the Seder recognizes that when it instructs us to see ourselves as leaving Egypt, and it picks up on this because the entire Seder revolves around questions that typically children ask the parents. Intergenerational study, intergenerational learning, because the entire covenant is predicated on the linking of the two generations.